Hello, I'm James Batchelor. You're listening to the Games Industry Dot Biz podcast. We are at EGX 2017, EGX Res 2017 in London. Um, I am joined by a, a cavalcade of guests from uh, the Games Industry Career Fair that we run here. Um, I am joined. Let's go around the table. We have. Hello, I'm Sophie Dencham. I am Community and Communications at Yuki. Hi, uh, I'm Bubble Voice. I'm the lead artist on Historical Total War at the Creative Assembly. I am Hannah Flynn, Director of Communications for Fellbetter Games. I am Tony Gowland. I am an indie developer. I am all of Hunger Workshop. The whole one-man team of you. Brilliant. Um, so, fantastic. I, thank you so much for joining me. I thought we'd bring you into, because uh, obviously we've, we've been running the GamesIndustry.biz Careers Fair, uh, massively helped by Yuki and the, uh, the Yuki Careers mm-hmm. Bar. And where you've had some incredible speakers and careers advice and yeah, the advice sessions and I mean I've been in and around the show but like that has seemed packed it's been so busy yeah absolutely and what, what makes the idea of working in games appealing to so many people do you think well it's, it's the world's largest entertainment industry mm-hmm. so um, you know it's fun People just want to make games, they love playing games, and they want to work in games. Um, it's and, it's, really, and it's such a creative yeah. field as well. You know? It's a really short line to draw between, this is what I want to do with all of my time in my life, and ergo, I should have a job in it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yes. Like, that's a really easy connection to make for people. I think it's seen as quite accessible as well. So you can come to shows like this, and we have all the careers bars and things, and you have the people that you can have that one-to-one time, and meet, and get the advice. Um, and get the advice to get jobs in games whereas I think a lot of the other creative industries can see a bit more um, not aloof is the word but a bit a bit further away and a bit more unattainable it's a harder to just get that kind of first time with yeah, movie actors definitely not. Yeah. not like us we're proper fans exactly like the people who are making like the biggest games are all here ready to sit and talk to you and give you advice whereas you're not going to go up to George Clooney and ask him can I be an actor how did you become an actor whereas you can do that with the people making games yeah we, we I mean we do this every year um, uh, with the creative assembly we have a we have a recruitment booth here uh, we mainly do it just to give feedback on portfolios give people guidance um, how to get in the industry but we have hired from from the show we've hired at the show and we've had great artists and uh, programmers and designers come to us talk to us and we've literally just made them offers um, so it's, yeah, it's totally accessible in that sense. And yeah. I've had a few people who have come back to the careers bar and come back to the sessions and say, I've actually got a job. I want to run one of the sessions because I got a job because of someone I spoke to at the careers bar last year. And that, those are my favourite stories. And those are ones that I want to collate and send out to people and be like, this is how it is so attainable to get a job in games. Mm, definitely. I mean, I, it's, it's obviously incredibly attainable and the, there are success stories of people coming, coming in and getting jobs. But like, I imagine, because you guys have all been given careers advice and, and, and talking to people one-on-one, um, all week I imagine there must be some, some misconceptions amongst the public about how they get into games or what's required Oh yeah. Um, I am still trying to tell my family that just because I'm a games journalist does not mean I play games for a living so you kind of do though right? <laughs> so, 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 so what are the biggest misconceptions that you guys face and kind of what, what myths have you had to dispel what illusions have you had to shatter this week what hearts have we broken? Yeah. <laughs> I think there is still a lot of uh, romanticising. Romanticise? How would you say roman- roman- romantic? People romanticise being an indie developer. Yeah. Um, like people. So there's been a lot of. When I've been chatting to people, people are kind of like, oh yeah, so it, it must be brilliant, like you're just making games. And I think, yeah, but I also run a company, and so yeah. I pretty much spend at least as much time doing really boring emails and other mm. like admin stuff, and I have mm. to learn about legal stuff and uh, talk to lawyers and all kinds of rubbish as much as I get time to kind of make games and do fun things. Yeah. And I think a lot of people 
don't kind of get that. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people who play games because it's a massive hobby. They play games and, and, and they want to work in games. And they come here and they think, you know, uh, I want to be a designer. You know, I have lots of ideas. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody has ideas. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what design is, and you know, and it's, it's the kind, that's why this is good as well because it gives us opportunity to, to explain, you know, what it takes to be a game designer or an artist or a programmer, and what you actually need to do to to achieve that. And it's and it's a lot more than some people think because it is, uh, you know, it is a craft and, and it does have a, you know, a lot of complexities to it. As accessible as it is, it's still, you know. It's not something that you walk up to and you're, exactly. you're an expert at straight yeah. away. No matter yeah. how many games you've played. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Um, I think part of the, the misconceptions are around the fact that even if you really are into games, the popular narrative in like the national consciousness does not understand how a game is made, nose to tail. So you, even more so than in film, you know, you, you might know a film is written, then it is filmed, then it is edited, then it is marketed, then it is over. That is like top line. But if you actually said that about a game to a lot of people, they would have no idea. No, it's it's hard to get that across though because that, that, that reminds me of the um, the Apprentice episode last year that had the VR challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hair <laughs> so in hands. Yeah, that was. Like, it was and I kind of I, so I, I interviewed the, the guys who actually made the games and I, I thought it was an interesting challenge. And yeah. All that, but I, I put this piece up the next day and I had loads of people coming to me on Twitter like, "What on earth are you like? This was awful. Why are you helping to kind of?" And I wasn't promoting it as such, but I was kind of like, "Look, these are the team who did it." But the biggest complaint was like that episode was awful because the the way the episode made it look was like they spent an afternoon Mm -hmm. drawing characters on a a piece of paper then a screen Mm -hmm. coming up with a few names and the following morning they had working VR games and that's (laughs) not even vaguely close to how it works through a sucker crunches through the night yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) you you look at like um, uh, game jams like you know I've been to game jams where people have like 48 hours to make a game from scratch and they've been clearly working all the way through the night and I've, yeah. I've, I've kind of seen pictures and they're like there are people like at 3am like staring bleary eyed at a screen and you get to like you know the Monday when you're when you're judging the games and they're honestly not in good shape because it's it's hard work it, even with 48 hours you've got we did we did a 48 game jam in the studio um, uh, just last year we do yes. one every year it's called Franco Jam um, and um, yeah we we didn't get much sleep I think four hours across the, from Friday till Sunday yeah. which is nice for a game jam but oh, yeah. then a lot of people are coming with their eyes wide excited to crunch and yeah. and to work that way and uh, sustainability is does not connect to those things. Um, I, I had to tell some poor chap today uh, just about what it's actually really like to work in a studio, um, and he, he just sort of felt like the, the dream had died a little bit. I think in his eyes because he wants to work his work to the bone and, and eat terrible food and stay up all night and. And I'm like, well, mate, I'm 33, pregnant as hell. I need to go to sleep. I need to come back in in the morning. It's not how it's not how game design really uh, is becomes sustainable and becomes a business that 16 people can thrive on. Also, like, even if you're not crunching, there are very grueling ways to get into the games industry. Like, or, or, or it can seem more grueling than you might think. So a friend of mine um, actually joined, uh, tried to get into the games industry. He he went through QA, as so many people do. Yeah. He saw QA as a path into games development, and he worked at you know, Lionhead and, and Crytek and Frontier, and he and he, he initially enjoyed it, but by the end he actually came away and he didn't even play video games for pleasure anymore because yeah. he kind of taken away. He said like all I was doing was playing the same section yeah. over and over and over again and filling in bug mm-hmm. reports, which took hours. 
and he's, he's like, it just it actually took away the, the enjoyment of the, the hobby and the passion for the medium which is what a lot of people go into a games career with yeah I say to everybody don't go into QA thinking you're going to get into something else mm-hmm. go into it knowing what you're going into mm. you might transfer mm. but it is what it is and don't work for someone who would have you work for free don't work yeah. for Always, don't have an yeah. internship mm-hmm. if they're yeah. not going to pay you but you have to but you have to understand that, that yeah QA isn't just playing games for fun yeah. it's it's problem solving it's finding it's finding issues it's documenting those issues trying to reproduce issues it takes it's a, a huge mindset. You'll, you'll get a bug and you'll have to spend you know hours trying to find the way to reproduce that because mm-hmm. not it's not always 100% yeah. and it's basically going over and over and over so it's it's all about problem solving and, and finding issues it's not about fun and playing games there is some fun to it of course <laughs> if you love problem solving yeah that's it you have to be that guy and finding mm-hmm. issues yeah and going back to the working for free, free thing, um, I think that's a massive issue as well. I mean, that's not just in games; that's cross sector. That's no. that's everyone. That's every graduate is coming out and having to do it. Even like journalism in particular, oh, yeah, like the amount of people who work journalism. Yeah. And I have to admit, I, I when I started, I, I, I think my first year or so, I was working for free. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, I, like my travel to work was being paid, but I wasn't actually being paid. And yeah, I look back and it's like, yeah, okay, I was working for free. Although in my case, it's like, well, I, I was working for free, but I came out of it with a year's worth of public work, yeah. contacts in the industry, yeah. and I essentially walked out of, of university into a job. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that that's the way to get a job in games mm-hmm. journalism, largely because there are no more jobs in games journalism. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's... Experience it's, is important. Experience. Yeah, it's worth getting the experience. If if you've got the opportunity to to work for free to gain experience, useful experience. But that has to be short term. I don't think studios should be offering six month placement. Exactly, yeah, no, 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 definitely not. I mean, a lot lot of studios, I mean, well, certainly not full time. If it's like one or two days a week, fine. If this was, I I say I worked a year, it was one or two days a week, so it was fine. But yeah, six months full time. It just contributes so hugely to our diversity problem in the industry. And it's not, the problem is that the, the more people who are willing to do it still, um, because they want the experience, mm-hmm. they need to do it for themselves. And I couldn't tell tell someone not to for themselves take an opportunity mm-hmm. that was like that. But the, the it, it, is, it behooves the the companies to pay their yeah. interns mm-hmm. and to source them from different communities. Exactly. And to like it's it's part of all of our responsibility. Yeah. And, and it's a lot not of, a lot you can put on an individual. And a lot of students do do that. I mean, we at the Career Assembly we do that. We have a we have a paid internship program, a traineeship program, where you don't need any experience. You just need to be good at the field that you're that, that you're applying for. So if you're an artist you need to have good work mm. doesn't matter whether you've been to university or not yeah. if, your, if your portfolio is great and, uh, and you're good at what you do we're going to give you uh, give you a traineeship yep, and so it's going to be paid yeah. and most of those trans, uh, you know translate into, uh, into full time roles at the end of the, the term so. I think diversity is key as well because everyone always focuses on getting women in games and getting people from Bane um, backgrounds into games that's always obviously very very important but it's also socio-economic people and yeah. working for free some people simply can't afford they can't afford it no. and if you've got parents who can support you in when you graduate that's amazing that's great for you but there are people who aren't in that position mm. um, and so we need to be offering internships and placements and experience to everyone yep yeah Definitely. You said about um, gaining experience, and we were, we were talking mm-hmm. about gaining experience. Generally, how, how useful that is, and, and, and internships can be a good way of doing that. But the, the thing that fascinates me about development, in particular nowadays, is you can get experience yourself. Yeah. yeah. Just by giving it, to, yeah. like, to, by, by putting in the time. Yeah. Like you can download. I this I still marvel at this. You can download Unity and Unreal, the engines that are used on AAA games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. some of the best indie games in the yeah, like some of the best games on, you know, in in the market. You can download yeah. the exact same tools for free. Mm-hmm and teach yourself yeah. or there's plenty of training courses or online documentation mm-hmm. or YouTube videos or whatever mm-hmm. to just get take exactly. those first few steps and there are, only, there are only a few things you need right mm-hmm. and you don't have to pay for them they're free you need drive ambition dedication right yeah. you just need to 
dedicate yourself to the thing that you want to do. You don't need to, in a lot of cases, especially for art and design, you can, you know, there's game jams, there's mods, there's, like you say, these engines. Um, you can do all of this. You can teach yourself and you can, all, as long as you're driven and you're motivated, mm-hmm. you, can, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Programming is probably the one skew where, again, if you're driven and motivated, you can do anything. But, um, you know, a good computer science degree does help. See, that's <laughs> interesting. Come and say that on the careers bar. That's so <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I basically said to people like when when they're asking like oh how do you like how do you get things what what do you want to see on a cv what do you want to see in a portfolio it's like well if your portfolio is just like your university coursework or whatever that's rubbish that's the like that's just Base such level, the bare yeah. minimum yeah. that it's like not even bother like applying for but if you're doing like game jams and stuff like that there's yeah. like a guy that showed me his portfolio and it's like he had his university coursework it's like the first thing on his portfolio and then like a whole load of like game jam stuff underneath it it's like no put the game switch it around yeah. Yeah. it's like this is really unless some, some portfolios that. you know you could still use uh, the university uh, kind of coursework and portfolio as a, as, as a kind of uh, you know as a base and you just build on it yeah. you kind of satisfy um, what, what they want you to do but you go above and beyond and you deliver way more you over deliver because you treat it as a Portfolio rather than a uh, you know a piece of coursework. Yeah, it's my coursework to, to take that box and, and, and get it done. But also, this is going to be my yeah, portfolio. So I'm going to throw in you know all of the spare time uh, you know outside of the university hours just to make it amazing. I think if you're a programmer, particularly, if you're not spending some of your free time tooling around with something like fiddling with it with something, even the programmers who work full time on Power yeah. Games that fell better, they all have a little something something going on in their downtime. It's because it's what they want to do yeah. most of yeah. the time, and yeah. it is the difference between someone who thinks, "Well, this is a cool industry to get into, so I'm mm. going to yeah. try and just get a job in it," and, and someone who like just really wants to make games and can't really yeah. stop themselves. And that's it. Is, is, for most of us, it's a, it's a career, but it's a hobby as well, yeah. which is why we put so much work into it, and which is why you know a lot of the crunches, a lot of companies, they're not enforced. They're people with passion yeah. just working to, to get to get something done um, because they love it, because it is a hobby, and also because. Um, because it's such a fast-moving, fast-paced uh, kind of uh, industry, it's constantly innovating, constantly changing, constantly developing. Um, that's why a lot of people tinker in their spare time, just stay on top of the game and just try and find new techniques, new ways to, to, to improve. Isn't that fantastic? Because, How, what a yeah. rich life that is! Exactly. To enjoy yeah. your day job and to tinker with things yeah. that you want to do when you go home. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Games like, aren't a job; they're life. <laughs> but also, go home, get eight hours, <laughs> like eat oh, yeah. properly, oh, yeah. take Be care healthy. of yourself. Of course, you've got to take care your of yourself. Cuddle your babies and play with your cats. Yeah. Definitely. You, you still need the work-life balance, don't you? Yes, and then that's the thing. I think I think some people who, if you're coming into, if you're interested in a games career, and you're you're young, obviously you're not at the point where you've got dependents, like you know, like uh, family and mm. children and, and mortgages. You don't have any of that. Mm. But obviously, like you need you need to be on a career path that's going to sustain that as and when that comes, and, and it needs to have a, a nice work life balance. You're not going to mm. you, you, as passionate as you you are. You don't want to be sitting in the yeah, office of telling all hours. But that's the other thing that's great about games is the communities that you can join. Mm. So when I started working at Yuki, I didn't really know anyone in games at all, and it's just you go to things, you meet people, and everyone's amazing here, and everyone is so welcoming. Yeah. And they want people to do well, and they want to be your friend. They want to talk about the projects you're doing and what you're working on, and the other the other game jams you're going to, and the other communities that you're involved in. And I think that's that's something really special about the games industry as well. And also a great way to meet people and a great way to get jobs is networking and going to the parties and going to the meetups and meeting people who are making games and yeah. showing them that you're doing it too. And being kind of out there and, and getting to letting people get to know you as, as, a, as a personality, not just as a, as a worker driver. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah. I, you know, I know people that you're know, all right, not at the very start of their career, but but later in their career, have, have had people you know call them up and say, look. 
we're starting this new position, we've got you in mind, would you be interested? Like literally being offered jobs. And that's that's what happened to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I came to games late. I came to games. I, I self-selected myself to never be eligible for an under-30s award. I thought that would just be like <laughs> obliterating the, wow. obliterate the competition. So I started after I turned 30. Um, and I came from, I worked at charities and museums and galleries in the arts, in publishing, biggest publisher in the world, the biggest art museum in the world. And then came to games sideways because I'd met um, Alexis, who set up Felbetter at a games thing in mm. Vienna darling and I was the only marketer on his list because he'd never met another person who could market games potentially mm-hmm. so that then that, I parlayed that into a marketing role which then became a directorship of a small company so also you don't have to if, if you have transferable skills mm-hmm. you don't have to come straight to games like I learned to mar- I cut my teeth on marketing to children which is the hardest audience to market to mm-hmm. because they take no guff um, <laughs> And then transferred that to gamers, which I'd say would be the second hardest marketing audience because they take zero guff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a, maybe you should have uh, started with that. I mean, how did each of you get into the games? Why and how did you get in? So, um, um, I well, um, I knew I wanted to make games the moment I played my first game. Um, really, I just knew that was it. Um, and yeah, so I just I did what I thought was right. I basically played lots of games, uh, studied IT and computing in college, um, found one of the first game degrees um, um, that was out there. I'm not going to say where it was because it was terrible. It was an absolutely ho- terrible, terrible jack of all trades, master of none, but jack, not even a jack of any trade really at the end of it. Um, and I knew I wanted to do, uh, I was had a bit of programming, a bit of uh, art. I wanted to focus on the art because I was always quite artistic. Um, but I knew that I needed to, to find motivation, find a way to move, motivate myself and give myself a structure to, to, to make a portfolio. So I found a master's um, at Liverpool John Moores University um, and in digital, digital games. And I literally ignored the 12 months of academia, <laughs> completely ignored everything, didn't go for a distinction and spent 12 months making a portfolio. Mm. I even failed a unit or two. Um, uh, two other chaps on the course had the same mentality and were the only three that got games jobs after, at the end of it. Wow. wow. Yeah, so. Funny, actually. So my thing is, is actually kind of similar. So I did a computer science degree, and um, in my year in industry, I was working at Compaq, and we were working like a really boring uh, email soft, like email archiving software. Mm. But at lunch times and uh, after work, everyone, because we were on the network, everyone was playing Quake and everyone was playing Half-Life. That was the year that Half-Life came out. <laughs> Um, so I, and I'd got really into making maps for Quake and then making maps for Half-Life and kind of went back to my final year of uni and then pretty much spent all my spare time in my final year of uni just making yeah. Half-Life maps and kind of doing that and getting really involved in like that online community yeah. um, and then while I was applying for jobs at like boring banking companies that would have made me rich by now um, I also uh, like a local company had put like a job advert up on one of the Counter-Strike forums saying like hey we're looking for mappers for this uh, first person shooter that we're kind of developing it's like oh yeah that's cool I'll go for that and kind of yes I never really games was never really a thing that I actually aimed for Mm. it was just a sort of thing that kind of cool I fell into because I was doing it and kind of super keen on it and And then lots of stories of that of of big studios hiring modders and and mappers and people who've been just creating content for their games to bring them in and actually hire them professionally though which is which is fantastic and we've seen a lot more of that so how did you get into games mine is very different to you guys but similarly similar to hannah's actually um so i graduated and then got an internship at special effect which is an awesome charity everyone should check it out they work with people with very severe disabilities and they mod controllers for people or go up to like eye gaze systems just so everyone can enjoy games 
Um, and really, really lucky to get an internship there. I was there for about 10 months. And then we did a big event called Game Blast, which involved us coming down to Yuki's office for 24 hours and um, doing a live stream, got loads of really cool people in. Um, and it's really a tale of meeting the right people at the right time and sort of being keen and putting yourself out there and meeting people. Um, so I was very lucky. I walked into Joe Twist and got chatting. Uh, got quite drunk, I think, actually, is not advice. Yeah, that, that happens quite a lot in marketing, <laughs> uh, hiring systems. Yeah. Yeah. The alcohol happens. The alcohol Just happens. in games events. <laughs> yes. like, whenever, whenever you chat to friends that don't work in games and they talk about the conferences and stuff yeah. that they go to, and then you talk about the conferences that you go to at GameStop, yeah, and it's like, so hang fun. on a minute, like, we, I mean, we all do just kind of sit around... Like you said, like that's how you meet people. So and that's how you it's and it's like, I don't know, so man. The charity fun. conferences are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> when people who work with like very disadvantaged children and stuff kick off, they kick off. <laughs> that's how I got yeah a couple of jobs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's special effects fault that I'm here, nice. interrupting all of your we, lives every we, day. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we can blame them. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, for myself, I mean, I, I mine is really simple. I, the one thing I love doing in my spare time was writing and playing video games so I thought I'd do both and I, I studied journalism at uh, university purely because I thought that's how you're meant to get <laughs> meant, meant, meant to get a job is go to university to get yep. a degree but I mean, honestly like, like I said for my last year of university I spent one or two days a week working at a magazine um, and it's that it's coming out of that with a year's worth of published content yeah. and industry contacts who mm-hmm. then knew me or were starting to get to know me that, that's what helped me get a job um, the degree thing is not necessarily uh, required anymore no, no. no. Exactly. I mean for me it was just a structure just something a motivational structure that's it yeah. I didn't learn anything from it uh, but it just but gave it kept me you getting yeah, up every day I learned more yeah. from the people I was doing it with than from the actual tutors but it gave me focused 12 months to, to do a portfolio basically well, the academia is trying to to better position itself to mm. help people get into the games mm. industry particularly yeah. on the development side of things like I, I recently spoke to um, a number of universities talking about their their degrees, their courses now, mm. and they, they say like, you know, a lot of them work with, you know, the local studios around mm. their area, a lot of them have mm. like, former or current developers come in and be lecturers, yeah. and so they are... They, there, are there are some that, are, that, that, that yeah. are getting better and better, actually one, I'll do a shout out to, to Falmouth University, one of our best, yeah. uh, one of our, one of our uh, best beloved senior designers, Dominic Starr, uh, uh, joined them uh, last year, oh, so, nice. so he's, he's, a, he's a lecturer in design there, so... Definitely, definitely learn something from that guy. It's great to see that stuff floating up. And on the same side, we're trying to scrub anything from our job postings that mentions that you need uh, either industry mm-hmm. experience or a degree in a relevant subject. Like it's just so obvious now that you don't need either of those things, and you could still be the right hire. Yeah. Um, and the people who self-select and like look at the job list and decide from not having half of the things on it that they wouldn't even apply is huge yeah. so what we we kind of take the burden on ourselves that we take in a lot of applications for every role because it's so broad and then we do like round upon round of interviews to get to the right person the Google approach yeah. like my friend who has a job, job at Google had 11 interviews wow. Wow. we haven't got 11 for anybody <laughs> but it was like a meal and then an email interview then a chat and then you know different things mm. so we're trying to go more in that direction mm-hmm. and hire really based on the person themselves and a bit less based on uh, their economic, like yeah. the way they've come up economic, economically, that allowed them to do a degree. Exactly. You know, yeah. it, it, it just it helps, and it's, we've just uh, we've just started doing that for the two hires that we've made recently, or we're making right now. So fingers crossed, it pays off in the long term. I think that's really important to have that kind of quite lengthy interview sort of 
soft interview process yeah. for indie stuff as well like indies in particular like you can't afford to kind of make bad hires as mm. much as like a big like if, if a 200 person studio makes a bad hire it's like right. they can weather that a little bit better than if yeah. a 6 person studio then makes a really bad hire for real yeah we and we've hired in the wrong direction before we, we were really small and we uh, there were four of us and then we hired a bunch more writers because Felbetter's games are, are writing driven right mm, yeah. um, but with the idea that we would then be able to sell more games because there would be more content which isn't actually how you sell more games <laughs> so we had to let a load of people go and start again and we then hired a producer and me as a marketer so we were selling the same thing to more people and then we were able to sustain ourselves different slightly sideways to the discussion but it's true that indies have to be so careful about how they grow you just want to put when you put yourself forward you want to seem like the person for that role like this is the company for me these are this is why I love your games this is I couldn't imagine working for another developer I mean that's really important you you need to be a you know if you're an artist designer or programmer you should definitely tailor uh, your portfolio and tailor your application to the job that you're applying for don't go generic generic yeah yeah, Yeah. it's terrible always and you can tailor it you can tweak it you can tweak the the order of things you can add and present certain things in a certain way exclude certain things just always tailor uh, find that job and, and just tailor it yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's hard to find out what kind of games a certain company makes exactly it's like no. you should know if you're applying for that company if you're applying for a job you should know everything about that company and all the games that they're making do that research I, I wrote a feature once that was um, just kind of the, the weirdest job applications and genuinely like there was someone who applied to I think it was I, I, I think it was Codemasters. Someone applied to Codemasters. Like, I'd love to make games, but I hate racing games. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. And I'm all mm. really What's the thing looking Google? Yeah. yeah. It's not even that difficult to look things up. Yeah. Dear um, Traveller's Tales. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Lego. <laughs> <laughs> and if you and if you're worried, and if you're worried that you maybe don't have the right experience, or you you don't have you know um, uh, you're not sure, whatever, just put a covering letter on there and really kind of try and show your passion and your mm. and, and and your your kind of interest in in that opening letter. Yeah. Um, you know really really kind of try and sell yourself and it's not just why I am best for you as a company yeah. mm-hmm. it's why your company is best for me and exactly. you should have half and half it should be really obvious I said to a bunch of people today who came to me for advice about getting programming jobs and stuff that I can't really help with um, the, the basic advice is the last five games that you played why did you love them do you think that you would like to make something like that mm. write to those people yeah. like don't don't google please I need a job in Basingstoke that is in the games industry because who knows who you're going to find like go where the go where the love is mm-hmm. um, the people who mostly work end up working for us are people who have really loved our games taken them apart put them back together done something special with them one of our recent hires from the community in fact um, made a game in our story engine story nexus that was monetized that fed into his um, obsession with Fallen London enabled him to spend money in Fallen London <laughs> by making a game in the same engine and charging Brilliant. for it. Yeah, well, that's so like it's it, it. It was obvious that he was the guy to hire when we yeah. needed someone who, to be our massive lore expert for mm. life. Um, he's very young. <laughs> he's very young, but I, and I love him. Thank you, Keelan. <laughs> Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time because obviously there's a lot going on at, at Rest. Um, plus, this room seemed to be getting a bit louder just then. So, um, I kind of wrap up. Kind of the most, the one tip that you give to people saying, "How do I get a job in games? Not just development, but the industry in general." One tip: Go, Tony. Um, I tell people just to work on stuff in your spare time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finish something. Whatever it is, make a thing, finish it, publish it. You haven't learned from it until you've finished it. Um, and then you'll be a much more attractive prospect to a studio. Yeah, just dedicate your life to it. 
um, if it's what you want to do just, that. just do it <laughs> just do it you can do it and, and, and come see us come see it as REST at REST come see us at EGX in Birmingham we're always there get advice from us show us what you're working on we'll give you feedback and maybe even a job Mine is uh, networking, meeting people, um, putting yourself out there and having the confidence in yourself and what you are making um, and what you're doing to say, like, I should be here and I should have a job in games. Um, and yeah, just meet people because the games industry is so welcoming. They want to get cool new people in and talented new people in um, and they're lovely. Mine is rather cheesily. Just uh, head over to jobs.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, genuinely, like, yeah. like so, I, so in the careers fair over there, I've put a, we've, we've got a physical GI jobs board. It's so cool. Um, which it's is, so old school. It's, it's an easel. It's, it's an easel. Wicked. It's an easel. It's spinball. But like the, the whole point of it was to just just look through mm-hmm. the the job requirements, even if you're nowhere near. Mm-hmm qualified or experienced or yep. even close to being on the path to that no, exactly. at least you can see what you're aiming for yeah. you're, you can see what studios are looking for yeah. and aiming for yeah. it exactly. so. and if we're, if we're linking then go to creativeassembly.com for slash jobs <laughs> and we we currently have four internships uh, uh, traineeships open so feel free to, to have a look and, and apply if we're plugging then we can do UK <laughs> students and we have exclusive internships across the whole of the games industry as well and all of them are paid yeah. Any other URLs we want to drop in? Philbeckgames.com slash internships. We are, we're not open at the moment, but we will be for next summer, come autumn. You're a one-man team, so do you need a dominion? Uh, I mean, not really. We're not hiring people. I uh, use a lot of freelancers for stuff, so um, always you can just always like tweet at me, mm-hmm. like or at and Workshop, or go on our website, and kind of we use a lot of freelancers for stuff. So if we ever need people for things, if we've got your stuff, we can look at it. Chance you're on. Try your arm. Lovely. Right, I'm going to close this out before we get too self-serving. Um, so thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, enjoy the rest of the rest. Happy thank you. Too.